Blessings and salutations. You're listening to What's the Brew with Loli Moon. I'm your host, Loli, and I return to the space as a very proud Venetian, cosmo connoisseur, and natural mystic. Now, my intention with this podcast is to discuss all things astrology, spirituality, and pure, pure, pure magic. Welcome to the show. If you are a returning listener, welcome back, my loves. I'm so grateful to have you here. This episode is one for the books. You are definitely going to want to grab a notepad or, you know, take notes in your phone, however way that you want to, because I'll be dropping lots of gems for this episode, and I'm so excited to get into it. Um, I'm trying to do this new thing where we drop episodes every Venus Day, so every Friday, because obviously, and so that means I will be recording on Thursdays, um, which I think is going to be really interesting. For those of you who don't know, I actually fast every Thursdays because that's the day I was born on, and so Jupiter days for me are really, really, really high uh, felt with energy in terms of spirit and downloads and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, I decided, you know what, why don't I anchor this by recording on this day and see how it goes? So here we are. Um, if I get a little cuckoo, it's because I've been fasting for literally over 12 hours, so it's fine. Um, but <laughs> I will break my fast after this episode, but I really am just excited about this episode because we are going to be talking about all things astrology. So usually we talk about astrology first and then we go into spirituality, um, you know, more focused sort of topics, but this episode we're talking all, all, all astrology because of the topic of relationships. Yes. Um, But before we even get into that, we're going to get into our current transits and our astro tea, starting first by, of course, highlighting the reason for this season, Libra. Yes, baby. Clap for yourselves. Yes, yes. Happy Libra season, my loves. It is officially the spring, well, the fall equinox. Um, And so this means that we are celebrating Libra season. We are celebrating balance. We are celebrating peace. We are celebrating harmony. We are celebrating Venus, okay? So we are receiving all of our harvest and abundance, all the hard work that we have done throughout the summer. All of this stuff should be blooming at this time, okay? We went through um, eclipse season, you know, the last time we had a Venus season. And so this season is going to be slightly different because obviously we're not going to have an eclipse in this particular season, but it's the last season we do have before the eclipse takes place again, the solar eclipse and the lunar eclipse and Scorpio season that's going to take place. So with that being said, Libra season is very, very, very important this year because we are looking around at our garden to see what is out, what has been blooming, what has maybe started to rot and decay that we have to remove accordingly. This is the season for that, okay? Um, Libra season, we have a lot of things that are going to be taking place, um, but I just want to shout out the Libras, okay, Libra suns, especially happy solar return season, Libra moons, happy lunar return season, and Libra risings, happy main character energy season, bitch, okay, yes, this is all about you, get back on your shit, show them what you can do, show yourself what you can do, show spirit what you can do, okay, and that goes for everybody, not just the Libra placements. Now, I do want us to really understand that 
Libra is actually one of the key items to the idea of karma and karmic, you know, patterns and behaviors and karmic cycles that take place in our lives. And the reason for that is because Libra is the sign that Saturn is exalted in, meaning this is where Saturn performs its absolute best and does its absolute best work. Yes, that's right. Saturn is exalted in Libra, okay? Not in Capricorn, not in Aquarius, but actually in Libra. So that is saying a lot. And the reason for that is because Libra, as we understand the scales, represent the natural balance of all living beings, right? The natural balance of, of, of the law, obviously, yes, but most indefinitely we're talking about the natural balance of nature, right? We are celebrating this day, May Bon, right? Because it is the fall equinox, the perfect balance of day and night, the perfect balance of light and dark. And so Libra being the sign of the scales and representing justice in various ways, as we know, and also is the tool that we use to weigh our values. Hello, we use scales to weigh our values, people. Okay, Saturn represents the delivery of said justice. And so I really feel like Venus and Saturn have like this super secret love affair that no one maybe talks about a lot. Um, but we're going to talk about that because this is the season of karmic cycles either returning or really starting to test us. And then they become, you know, maximized, I would say, during eclipse season because eclipses naturally bring in that nostalgic karmic kind of energy, especially when we're talking about um, a dark moon eclipse conjunct to the south node in Scorpio, okay, we're going to have a south no- uh, a Scorpio solar eclipse next season. So yeah, this is a very important season for us to really look at what's going on, look at the receipts that spirit is delivering to us, okay, that the universe is delivering to us, and get ourselves information. This is the time to do that, okay? So we're going to talk about first um, Mercury re-entering Virgo, because that is happening before anything else that's major in Libra season, okay? And so as you guys know, we have been in, in this Mercury retrograde for quite some time now, and Mercury is going to go direct very, very soon, okay? In fact, Mercury goes direct October 2nd, all right? Um, but will only go direct after entering Virgo because it'll be going direct at the 24th degree of Virgo, okay? Now, with that being said, Mercury has been in Libra for quite some time, obviously because it's retrograde. And so this this Venetian kind of Libra energy has been in the air for, for a while. Um, and when it comes to Mercury retrograde in Libra, you know, some of the things that we have been seeing a lot is heightened confusion, heightened you know, uh, indecisiveness, especially heightened gossip and shit talking, heightened fake BS from people that we can't stand. Okay. All kinds of nonsense. I feel like Mercury retrograde in Libra is very, very, very messy. Like it is, it is so messy. Um, and Mars and Gemini is just throwing hands as it is. So I feel like these two planets on their own is just a lot of cosmic chaos that we have going on currently. But with that being said, Mercury will be heading back into Virgo as of September 23rd at 8.04 a.m. That is Eastern uh, Standard Time. So that would be 5.04 a.m. post, uh, sorry, Pacific Time. Okay, so 
what does this mean? Well, it means that we're finally going to see some more clarity take place. In fact, I would say at this point, we've gained the clarity. If you haven't gained the clarity at this point as of today, you're going to gain it once Mercury hits Virgo tomorrow morning, okay? Um, while the sun is entering Libra, we do also have what we call the Mercury Kazemi, which is essentially when a planet is is 17 seconds away from the sun. And I don't, and I don't mean like, you know, one, two, three, four. No, this is, this is, um, you know, in terms of degrees. So it's literally less than zero degrees away from each other. So there, obviously this is a very tight conjunction. And so we call it a Kazemi. And this is when a planet becomes reborn, renewed through the heart of the sun, we say. So when Mercury has its Kazemi tonight slash tomorrow, um, conjunct to the sun, um, in Libra, we are going to receive an abundance of clarity. Okay. All that, bad juju that might have been sent your way or any sort of doubts you were having in certain plans any blockages that were taking place in some of your plans okay we're gonna start to see things a little more clearly starting now we are starting to you know clear out the fog that has been going on now it's gonna take some time still so be patient with yourselves okay again we are still in the mercury retrograde okay this is not gonna be gone anytime soon well Yes, sometime soon, but you guys know what I mean. We still have, you know, the shadow period to talk about. And so, you know, with the shadow period still taking place um, for this retrograde, I'm just pulling up my details, you guys, to tell you exactly when it ends. So the Mercury retrograde shadow period is going to end on the 16th of October. Okay, so even though Mercury stations direct on the 2nd, it's not going to be out of the shadow period until the 16th of October, which is actually five-ish days away, or sorry, after the full moon in Aries. So, you know, wait until the full moon before you make some serious decisions. The full moon, like I mentioned in the last episode, is going to bring a major wake-up call to a lot of things. So, you know, you'll definitely have your clarity by then. So if you just want to hang out for a little bit and just enjoy yourself and in indulge in some self-care, then do that, baby, okay? But we should start to feel some things start to make sense or at least receive more pieces of the puzzle um, as Mercury goes into its Kazemi and then slowly moves into uh, Virgo. Okay, so with Mercury back in Virgo, maybe we're going to kind of you know, pull ourselves back into our discipline and realign our routines, which we have perfected essentially throughout Virgo season. But now that it's Libra season, we got our bras off. We out here just, you know, having a fun time. But with that being said, sometimes a fun time doesn't equate to a long time. And we want our abundance and all of our ascension progress to excel for not just a fun time, but a long time too, right? So with Mercury re-entering Virgo, we will be able to do that, hopefully, and ground ourselves a little bit more, okay? So um, we're almost there, you guys. This is a good thing. That means we're almost done with the retrograde. I feel like with Mercury's retrograde, um, you know, going to be in Virgo, I feel like all this chaos that we've been feeling while Mercury's been in Libra is going to, um, you know, wane just a little bit. So that is also a good thing. So there we have it for a little tea there. Now, obviously, we want to talk about the new moon in Libra. So we're going to get right into that and discuss all of the astro to do with that chart, okay? So the Libra new moon is taking place actually um, this Sunday, okay? So Sunday the 25th 
at 5.54 p.m. Again, that is Eastern Standard Time, so you can convert that to your other time zones, okay? This is going to be taking place with the sun and the moon conjunct to each other, of course, at the second degree of Libra, which is really interesting because... This gives us like a full spectrum of Venusian energy to work with, and I would say even a bigger window to work with in terms of manifestations. For those of you who really enjoy working with the cosmos energy under, you know, the new moon, the full moon, whatever, you know, with respect to what sign it's in, um, this gives us more time to kind of prep ourselves, I would say, and, you know, have a better ritual, have some time to actually sit with ourselves and really think and digest what our intentions are going to be. These intentions are very, very important. They will carry us into the south, into the soul, uh, winter solstice, and then of course into next year even bef- until we have the spring equinox. Right. So this is a super, super important new moon, you guys, to really just have some self reflection, um, and really just. I guess get our shit together is the best way to say this, honestly and truly. This moon to me really screams, get your shit together, okay? Put on some red lipstick, put your hair in a ponytail or a bun, and handle your business. That's what this moon is all about, really and truly, okay? Divas don't do drama, they do business. So if you're going to be a diva, you're going to have to do your business and handle your business and mind your business, okay? So with that being said... We don't just have the sun and the moon conjunct to each other. We also have Mercury, who's at the 27th degree at this time of this uh, new moon, conjunct to the moon and the sun, as well as Venus, who's still in Virgo, um, at the 25th degree. So Venus and Mercury are at a very, very, very tight conjunction. Plus, we have the sun and the moon, of course, in this conjunction as well. So that's a lot of heat, Okay, conjunctions are great because yes, the planet, the celestial bodies rub off from each other, but it can be intense. It can be a lot. So we are probably, I'm suspecting, going to be very excited, potentially even hyper a little bit with our intentions, with how we're feeling, being in a really good mood, you know, just really enjoying life and being present, which is so, so, so important, especially as now the nights are going to get longer and the days are going to get shorter which I'm going to highlight a little bit more much later on in the show. So with this tight conjunction of the sun and the moon to Mercury and Venus, this is like the perfect combination to reflect, um, you know, the magician card of the tarot. Absolute alignment, absolute perfection for setting intentions, working rituals, you know, whatever that might be for you. With Mercury now in Virgo, yes, it's still retrograde, so obviously we want to make sure that we are maybe pulling some cards for ourselves or any other form of divination under this moon to gain some more guidance and anchor ourselves in what the cards slash whatever system you're using is is showing to really understand if we're in alignment with our current intentions that we want to plant, okay? And if you have been, you know, doing your work, you can totally read for yourself. So if you don't have a deck yet, go and buy yourself a deck, okay? Go and attempt to read your own chart and and just see what comes to you intuitively even. It doesn't have to be right. You can Google that later, but you know, read yourself. Like it's really important that you're able to read yourself, I would say, as a mystic. If you're constantly depending on others, something's going on, okay? Something, something, something's going on and something else is not going on. So you need to figure it out. 
okay? And if you're not there yet, that's totally fine too. It's really important to have a community, have a coven that you can depend on for these things um, with respect to support, um, you know, but not all the time for your entire journey. You have to be able to read yourself too. Um, Retrogrades are all about going within. So if you have to go external to understand the internal that is the simplest way to understand that there is a major disconnection going on for you in your aura. Okay, so I challenge you to practice more reading yourself, whatever that might look like for you. Okay, and if you want some tips and support on that, you can join the Patreon and, you know, learn more about divination and, and the various systems that you have available to you so that you're able to tap into your own magic that way. Okay, but with this moon, we are really going to be able to have a really clear, intuitive um, knowing of what to do and how to move forward because we have a tight conjunction of the moon to Mercury. Okay, spirit is in the chariot seat and is, is pulling us forward. Okay, our minds are clear because we can see the image that spirit has allowed us to download and receive. Now, when we add Venus to this equation, this means that one the 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 seed the image was one it was birthed two we can now see it and three we are ready to receive it so if you are ready to receive your your intentions if you're ready to really level up this is the moon to really set those intentions it doesn't have to be anything too crazy anything too long okay but really like buckle down because when that full moon in aries pops off you guys listen it's going to be a lot. <laughs> it's going to be a lot. It's going to be very heavily charged, I sense, um, just because one, we're going to have the moon in Aries. We already have um, Jupiter in Aries. We have Chiron in Aries. But we also, again, have Mars, which is the ruling planet for that moon in Gemini. So this is potentially going to create a sextile. And so it's really going to feed more of that Martian energy into the moon, which is going to be conjunctive Jupiter. And so it's going to be projected very massively, like major tidal waves, you guys. Okay. So that's, that's a good thing when it comes to our things being delivered to us, because this tells us they could possibly come up, you know, relatively quickly. And so as the saying goes, you have to stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. Okay, we create our own luck by preparing for them, preparing for your blessings. When you are starting a, a garden, a vegetable garden, you don't just go outside on the grass at the patch where your, your, your dog is pissing, okay, and it's very yellow, and you're just like, oh, this is, a, this is what I want to have happen in this little patch of grass. I want to have a vegetable garden with this, 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 and this, and this, and then walk away and hope for the best. No, you have to look at the space you have available to you, create measurements, okay, do your research, purchase the best kind of soil, prepare the area for it, make sure there's not too much pest nonsense going on, okay, and then you have to go out and buy the tools, buy the seeds, review the best quality, get, um, you know, a professional's opinion, getting the expert's opinion. And then you have to then do the actual work of rolling your sleeves up, putting yourselves in the dirt, your hands and knees getting real dirty, okay? And do the work. It doesn't just happen overnight. So prepare your vegetable garden now that is full of great, you know, flourishing greens, okay? Yes. And grounding elements 
so that when that stuff blooms and it comes quickly as it will during the full moon in Aries, you are ready for it. Because it's going to come quick, you guys. I, I really feel like it's going to come quick. And with that being said, Venus is going to enter Libra. So be returning home as of the 29th of September. So that is literally four days after this new moon takes place. Okay, so this is going to be a really interesting, I think, cycle for us with respect to abundance. So if you are a Venetian, so if you are a Libra or a Taurus, shout out to you because this moon's going to be very bountiful with blessings um, this, at this time. Like it's going to be huge and I'm really excited for it. Um, but I do want to get into more of the aspects I've been talking about just the conjunction for a while but that's because it's really intense you guys like when I put up this chart earlier I was like oh my gosh this is a lot of energy it's a lot of energy so while we have this really great conjunction taking place we also have um some really great trines as well where other celestial bodies are working in harmony with one another to enhance their energy okay so we have a really great trine between mars and gemini and saturn in aquarius and this trine has been going on for quite a while now honestly and so we're still continuing to receive um the stability and the structure and the discipline to complete the tasks the actions required um that gemini desires because that mars and gemini is really feeding these visions that we're that we're receiving at this time and so if we get too excited, we might go too crazy with that. But luckily, we have Saturn and Aquarius there to kind of help ground us a little bit and keep us more focused on what we have in front of us. Honestly, Mars and Gemini with Saturn and Aquarius creating an asset to each other of a trine really feels like the Knight of Swords. Honestly, um, now it once Mercury enters Libra, even more so because there's going to be a major, major, major air trine. And I love that so much. It's so great. So, you know, we do have this great trine taking place. Then we have, of course, Pluto and Uranus and Taurus um, connecting because Pluto is, of course, in Capricorn. However, um, Pluto is also making a trine uh, to Venus, Mercury, the sun, and the moon. So that really tight conjunction taking place, which is not technically a stillium because these celestial bodies are in different, you know, signs technically speaking um but pluto the planet of transformation rebirth okay and sometimes ego deaths of fortune that we can't see just yet because it's still underground but it is on its way to us this is where pluto is making a trine okay so it's going to be really 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 great to work some manifestation work i really do believe that but i don't want to overhype it Okay, like I know I got you guys really excited, I know, but I need to point out something else too with this moon. And that is the oppositions, okay, that Jupiter and Neptune are doing at this time. These two planets um, actually have something in common because they both are the rulers of Pisces. And so this can actually, opposition almost feels like a Piscean, like weird push and pull kind of energy. So I feel like the addictions and the poor habits, the poor choices that we've just purged potentially under the Pisces full moon could be coming right back right now, like quick as shit, okay, because, because the universe is testing us, okay? Libra season is full of tests because the scales are very, very, very important. Again, like I said, uh, Saturn is exalted in Libra, so as, as much as this is a Venetian known uh, season, 
this season carries a lot of Saturn energy too. So please be mindful of that and don't put yourself in a place where you are going to be in danger. Okay, because Jupiter is making an opposition to that same tight conjunction of Jupiter, or sorry, of, of Venus, Mercury, the sun and the moon. And so is Neptune. Neptune is doing the same thing, opposition to Venus, Mercury, the sun and the moon, while also um, squaring off to Mars and Gemini. So Neptune is really doing the absolute most. Neptune is like drunk. And not just drunk like at home being sad about their life. I'm talking drunk at like the McDonald's. Okay, you're with your you're with your your coven, and you just had a late lit night. Okay, and maybe you're going to McDonald's, or a low key diner to go and hang out and have some food to ground yourselves before you go home. Okay, and then some crazy ass person comes in, totally wasted. Maybe gets into a fight. Okay, which then ends up on WorldStarHipHop.com at some point later on, or TikTok these days, I should say or Twitter, and then vomits after losing the fight. That's what Neptune is right now. <laughs> so with that being said, be aware of the delusion that is taking place. Beware of the, the delusion that is taking place. I cannot stress this enough. Do not get caught up in some nonsense. Check yourself before you hex yourself, okay? Because you could really have a really sweet ting on its way under this new moon in Libra and then fumble it so hard because you decide to get messy, Okay, so as much as this energy is really, really positive, I'm seeing because there's so many great, um, you know, the conjunctions and the trines I mentioned before, there is still some friction and tension because of Jupiter and Neptune. Now, I do feel like Jupiter's opposition, the most it's going to bring, I feel, is an abundance of, um, you know, emotions, very heightened emotions. So if you're excited, you could be extremely excited. If you're feeling, you know, really heavy with your emotions, you know, more sad or depression or anxiety coming in, then that is going to be even more enhanced at this time. So do whatever you have to do that is going to help you through that because Jupiter can be a lot. Okay. And Neptune's a lot too. Neptune is also a lot. So earlier in the week, I was talking about how we may feel really tired um, under the third quarter moon that we had in Gemini, right? Um, but that's still continuing. That still continues into this week right now. Well, the week's almost over, but that's continuing still into this week coming up because we still have the opposition of Neptune to the sun, right? Because the sun is just now at a very early degree of Libra. So the further we get into Libra season, that opposition between the sun and Neptune will go away. Um, so just make sure that you are giving yourself lots of time to rest and to relax so that you are able to enjoy all your blessings when they arrive. So with that being said, if you want to just take this Libra new moon to just, you know, hang out, you know, do some self-love rituals for yourself, have a nice bath, go to the beach, okay, Venus was born on the surface of the ocean, go and do that, okay? If you want to spend like an hour or two polishing all your beautiful seashells like I'm going to be doing, do that too, okay? But do what you can because this is a really wonderful moon for us to work with and really, um, you know, buckle down on some seed planting, okay? Um, now, with that also being said, 
just also be very mindful of your boundaries because this moon is going to highlight people who think they can take your feet yet. All right. I always say you can do all things through jaw except take me, take me feet yet. So no matter with that nonsense, but people will try you. People will try you in Libra season because everybody thinks you're going to be all kiki, ha ha, all buddy, buddy, all kumbaya with everybody else. Okay, and just tolerating everyone's BS and nonsense. And that's not what we're here to do. Okay, Mars and Gemini to, you know, Saturn in Aquarius is saying, listen, we're not, we're not, we're not upon that no more. So if people are trying you and you decide to choose violence, there's probably going to be consequences for that. Unless it's overdue, then shit, you know, make it rain. <laughs> but if you're just being petty, okay, you're being a petty puff, you're being a salty Sabrina, then I would say, again, check yourself before you hex yourself, okay? Take a step back, you know, deliver a gentle but effective read on said person or people, whatever, and then enforce your boundaries accordingly, okay? There's no need to undo yourself or lose yourself looking like a, looking insane, because then you're making them win. Okay? So, you know, boundaries are really important. Self-love is very important, of course. But again, just set your intentions that you want to plant between fall, going into next year's um, spring equinox. Because we're going to see these intentions develop over the next few months. As we know, we're going to have the full moon in Libra not until next year. And that'll be a very interesting time as well. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Okay, so that is what I'm seeing for the new moon. Um, you know, practice safe manifesting. Okay, be realistic. Okay, you, we might plant some really unrealistic uh, intentions under this moon as well because of this really tight conjunction opposition of Jupiter and Neptune. So be realistic. Libra doesn't do fake knockoffs. Okay, Libra is all about that authentic, real, goody goody designer shit. So don't be doing no knockoff bullshit with your intentions either. You deserve the real thing. Okay, okay. Okay, so I quickly wanted to talk about um, Venus entering Libra because, of course, this is going to be a true Venetian return as Venus will be entering back one of its ruling signs. So this is taking place super early in the morning at 3.49 a.m. That is Eastern Standard Time. And, you know, Venus and Libra is definitely going to be a fun time, but it's not going to be in for very, very long because we're going to have Venus enter Scorpio on October 23rd when we are going to have the Venus Kazemi, which is an amazing way to start Scorpio season. I'm just so excited and so in love with that idea. But anywho, um, with that being said, uh, Venus is going to be entering Libra very, very soon. And so we can expect even more of a focus on, you know, partnerships, connections, romantic relationships, you know, our friendships, just all connections in general that we have with other beings and really looking to understand if, you know, we do see eye to eye or if we don't to see if we are truly aligned with each other's destinies, with our missions that we all have on our own or if it's just wasting time. And having us become really distracted in our shadow and our ego self and not completing the things that we actually have been dreaming about and truly desire. Um, you know, one of the, I guess, kind of important quotes I've, you know, I take and I apply not daily, but, you know, just quotes of some great elders and ancestors. Um, you know, one of them is from Maya Angelou, which is when people show you who they are the first time, believe them. 
this is Mercury and Libra because people's masks are going to fall off during Mercury retrograde. Okay, and while yes, Mercury is going back into Virgo very soon, like I mentioned before, um, this Mercury retrograde will really show you what I mean by that. And with Venus entering uh, Libra, a lot of the relationships that have been, um, I would say, challenged during this Mercury retrograde, which they have been because, again, it took place in Libra for most of its part, that is, is going to start to change as Venus enters uh, Libra, I believe. And why? Because Venus is all about rebirth. Venus is all about birthing new ideas, new new connections, okay? New values or returning to old values, to true values even, I would say. Because Libra is all about truth as we're talking about justice, the law, the sacred balance of nature amongst all living things, okay? So, you know, if you have been waiting to <laughs> do some core cutting, I would say, you know, you could definitely do it during Venus's return in Libra if you want. But even honestly, under the new moon, you can wait a couple of days when the moon enters uh, Scorpio even. And then that will, you know, uh, you know, really help you with the release and making it permanent if that's what you desire. Okay, so with Venus and Libra, I would just say, you know, focus on thyself and again, I'm going to reinforce the message about relationships, okay? Don't become needy. Don't become beg, beg, okay? And start chasing people. Like, we don't do that, okay? We do not chase. We attract, okay? Um, but also put your best foot forward. Allow your heart to feel seen. Allow yourself to bring your walls and have them come down a little bit. It's safe out here. It's okay for you to want to be loved again, okay? All over again, whether it's new love or old love. Which, you know, uh, I'm not going to really recommend, but, you know, do you, do you, boo? <laughs> I'm going to check you, okay? But the importance is that you are honoring the matters of the heart because they are going to pull on your strings extremely during this transit and also help you um, deliver your blessings that are to come this season with more ease as well, okay? The things that are pulling on our heartstrings under... I would say Libra season are really the things that we should really be focusing on because again, Venus will be in Libra. So the sun and Venus are going to be hanging out a lot. So we really want to channel that energy and attract, you know, as much goodness essentially as we can. You know, why not? So, you know, if you are a, a Libra sun, a Libra moon, a Libra rising, then of course this is going to be a really great transit for you because Venus will be sending you some extra, extra sweet blessings and I am very excited for those personally and I can't wait. So yeah, there we go. I just want to talk really quickly about that. Um, but I do want to get into the gospel because I know you guys are just like, oh my God, get into the gospel. So this episode's gospel is going to be all about astrology and relationships. Okay, yes. So with it being Libra season, this is the perfect time I felt to talk about relationships um, because obviously the sun is ruled by Venus right now and we are heavily, I, well, maybe not heavily, but we're definitely more focused on our connections and our emotional state and how we express ourselves to people and even how we digest our own emotions even, right? And so, you know, as a channeler that offers divination services, of course, one of the most popular questions I get asked are about relationships. And that goes for astrology readings, okay, which are like synastry readings, compatibility readings, tarot readings, especially like everyone's asking about relationships. 
And so, you know, when I say this, I'm talking about romantic connections specifically, okay? Now, as we know, astrology is a great tool for understanding the self and how we interact with others. With better knowledge of our birth charts, we can navigate we can navigate the patterns of our relationships and other themes a lot easier. And this is why I am so blessed and grateful to be, you know, doing this work because the mission is to help educate people and support them on their journey. And part of that includes helping, you know, you guys understand and learn and apply astrology for yourselves. Now, astrology, of course, is an extremely popular divination system, as the charts are pretty clear and consistent. With that being said, someone's birth chart will never change, right? So it's easy to follow. It's not like it's a changing equation. You can study it, return to it over and over and over, and you will learn something new every single time. I am still finding things in my chart that still surprise me, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, like this is crazy. So it's really, really special in that way. Now, before we get into all of this brew about relationships and astrology, I just want to say something and clarify this very, very carefully. Astrology is a tool. It is not a belief system, okay? So if you got people in your life talking about, oh, I don't believe in astrology, tell them good for you, beloved. No one, gave, no one asked for, about your opinion. <laughs> it's not a belief system for you to, to believe in. It is a tool to apply. It is like a really interesting science, but non-science science, you know? So it's not something to believe in. It's just, it's just there. So whether you believe in it or not, it's just there, okay? And I'm saying that to say, if you're out here worshiping the planets, okay, existing in a reality where they control everything you do, you will find yourself to fall down a very dark path. A very, very dark path. And by that, I mean you're going to stop yourself from doing certain things because of the cosmos and maybe start to channel the chart, the planets and charts, even transits, etc., in really distorted ways from reality because you are existing in your fear. And this is where we see a lot of astrologers project this fear-mongering kind of agenda with the most simple of transits, like a Mercury retrograde, for example. Okay, so I just want to clarify that. Astrology is a tool, okay? And astrology is fun. Yes, it is It is very fun and it is very educational and it is very real. I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe this personally, obviously. But I want y'all to practice safe astrology, okay? Practice safe divination, Practice safe channeling. Don't be out here acting all willy-nilly and acting like you're under control by these planets because you're not. You're controlled by spirit, okay? So don't, don't maximize your focus on the, on the cosmos more than your focus for, for spirit. But that's also a dark path too, okay? Now, with that being said... Um, I just wanted to say that because if you're using it as a tool, let it be a tool, okay? Do not let it become your crutch or your altar. Astrology should not take up, like I said, more space in your life than your devotion to spirit, 
Okay, so recognize that you are in control of your actions and the choices that you make. That's you. That's all on you, baby. Stop stop blaming the cosmos. Stop blaming your Saturn return. Stop blaming your fucking Mercury retrograde. Bitch, this thing happens three or four times a year. So don't stop acting surprised. We've been knowing about this stuff. As above, so below. Like, where have you been? You be, we've been knowing. Okay? So stop blaming the cosmos for your mess please 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 this is a podcast that believes in accountability yes we believe in maturing the ego not killing the ego it is very egoistic to say oh my god my ex came back because of mercury retrograde no honey they came back because you didn't block their friggin' number or access to you so you could feed into your ego later on and say oh look who's back please stop with the nonsense who do you think you're fooling truly okay so please recognize that you are in control do not blame astrology for your mess especially your relationship mess okay now that i'm done with my disclaimer i'm going to get into the real tea so as i was saying this tool is helpful for us um but again if you're one of those people that avoids one particular sign because of a past experience you're probably missing out on a lot of really great things of you know, that particular zodiac sign, for example. So instead of putting the blame on, you know, people's particular cosmic footprint, such as like their their sun sign, let's say, you know, Virgo men. I know I laugh because Virgo men. Um, and I'm guilty of this too. I will avoid them like the black plague because hell fucking no. Okay, just no. Now, that doesn't apply to me anymore, but if it did, I would still avoid them like the fucking black, black plague. No shade, no tea. It's a whole forest, bitch. That's how much shade I'm throwing at them right now. Yes, yes, yes. So, with that being said, though, we have to go deeper than people's sun signs, right? So, while someone might, be, might have a Virgo sun, they might have other really great <laughs> aspects in their chart. And I'm not saying that Virgo suns are not great because... Some of the greatest people to exist on this planet were Virgo suns, okay? So that's very telling too. And that's why I'm saying you can't just minimize people's cosmic footprint. And a lot of people who want to use astrology to better understand their relationships aren't really using it to better their relationships. They're using it to keep control and manipulate people. And by people, I really mean themselves. Because you're not manipulating their person, absolutely not. And well, unless you're doing witchcraft on them, then you probably are. You know, if you're doing love spells on them, then you probably are. But, <laughs> right, you're manipulating yourself into this weird path that wasn't even divinely aligned. Like, that's weird. And that's also very big. And it's very chasing energy. And we don't do that. The empress is not chased. She attracts, right? Okay. So all I'm saying is this. Sometimes, yes, people are just assholes. And the lesson isn't much deeper than that. But what I'm also saying is that apply what I'm about to share with you with discretion because I'm giving you guys some serious tea right now, like serious, real, real mystic witch bitch shit. Okay, so that's why I was saying get your notebooks and your little pens because class is, is, is in session. This is a little sneak peek of what you're missing out um, on Patreon because we have the astrology, the astrology 101 course taking place right now. Um, and that's where I go even deeper into this stuff. If you really about that life. Okay. Apply it with discretion. All right. Now, when it comes to compatibility, there are certain themes, um, we are looking for, right? Are we, you know, 
emotionally compatible? Are we sexually compatible? Do we communicate well? Can we grow while also supporting one another versus just coexisting? Can we grow to understand one another's love languages and much, much more? Okay, so what is the true tea about religious and astrology? Well, first, we want to ask, how can this tool support us to better navigate our connections? And the truth is, by understanding your synastry with yourself and other beings, you can better understand how compatible you are with someone and even what areas may be highlighted in that relationship slash connection. But also, things that will be highlighted during this connection for self-improvement. Okay, it's not just themes for the sake of it being themes and vibes. No, it's about self-improvement too, because relationships are about mirrors, right? So astrology has aspects that can be broken down into two categories, I would say. Ones that work in harmony and support us, well, they all support us, and those that can create what I call character development, (laughs) because it feels like you're creating your origin story of a villain's, you know, movie or some shit. Okay, so those two categories are this. First, the the positive aspects can well can include conjunctions, which is an intense connection between two or more celestial bodies. Then we have sextiles, which are like a gentle hug from an old friend that always brings good vibes and really good fucking snacks. Okay, shout out to that friend. Um, But also trines which are also you know something that creates harmony amongst the cosmos um with the with those connecting the celestial bodies but also enhances their energy a lot too so when i think of trines i honestly think of the pentagram and how it's used in the craft as a powerful symbol for workings for protection right um but most importantly to engage all of the elements right? When you make your salt circle, if you're into that for your rituals, and then you place your candles around your your circle, for example, how are you placing your candles? Is it just in a circle or are you, you know, intentionally creating the corners that you call on to air, fire, water, earth, and spirit? Those are the points of the pentagram. And so when I think about trines and astrology, I think about the pentagram in, in, in magic and how they both kind of have the same kind of understanding of We work together to enhance and create change. Okay? Now, aspects that can highlight areas of conflict or areas that require some improvement slash character development can include squares, which are sometimes good, but they are often uncomfortable. However, lots of growth can come from them as you're challenged to move out of your comfort zone. Then we also have conjunctions in this space because for certain celestial bodies, um, you know, they are maybe not so great. (laughs) Like I would say, as an example, like Pluto conjunct Mars, that is a very intense conjunction. I'm not saying it's like negative, but it's very destructive, very destructive, Okay. And the last aspect type I would mention in this in this section is oppositions, which can bring a lot of headbutting as the individuals in the connection may not see eye to eye. However, despite how different they may perceive things, they are often focused on the same outcome. 
And so this, this energy can even be worked on too if the growth and the maturity emotionally and spiritually is there, but it does take more work. Okay, so what planets do we look at to understand ourselves within relationships? First, we want to look at our personal planets, obviously. So our Venus placement, our Mars placement, our Mercury and our Moon placement. Now, our Venus placement is going to help us understand what we value in our relationships and what values are important to us. So, you know, what values are important to us, I would say, is more like our love languages, right? What are our love languages that we respond to? That is going to be seen in our Venus placement. Now, um, also, our Mars placement, like I said, um, this can help us understand what we find physically attractive and what we enjoy as intimacy. Also, our stamina and what drives us in our relationships. This can all be seen in our Mars placement, okay? With our Mercury sign, of course, reflects how we digest knowledge and communicate ourselves. But also, understanding the ruling sign of Mercury can help provide more insight on how we will communicate with our partners and how effectively we might do so. Okay, and then lastly, our moon placement reflects how we project our emotions and how we share them, okay, or perhaps choose not to share them, depending on the placement of the moon. So these are all the aspects, well, placements we want to look at first when um, we are looking at our chart to understand relationships. Now, I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, okay, so what about our sun sign? What about our rising sign? Listen, you definitely want to look at these two signs as well, of course. But these two signs are really about the first impression when we meet someone and hit it off and getting it right. Because first dates are like interviews, let's be real, right? Our sun sign puts on the glamour magic and ensures we show up as our best self for our relationship slash connections while our rising sign um, projects the message and magic of the sun sign, okay? So yes, these two signs are important to look at, but when we're talking about a real long-term relationship, we have to go beyond the surface, okay? So dating someone with the same rising sign as you is probably one of the most ideal situations, true, um, as, you know, the houses are ruled by the same signs and it's much easier to understand your synastry charts when you are, you know, ruled by the same sign essentially. But just because you're, you have the same rising sign doesn't mean you're totally compatible either. And honestly, you guys, I don't believe there's even 100% total compatibility. I think there's just, you know, 80, 20, 90, 10, like, you know, very great compatibility. But there's always going to be that little bit that's like, well, <laughs> I could do without this, you know? And that's totally normal and fine, too. So don't think that your relationships aren't healthy if they're not 100% compatible, because that's just unrealistic, too. Okay? Um, sometimes having the two, having two people who have the same rising sign can actually create too much comfort and then sometimes chaos. So with everything that we've discussed so far, let's break this down a bit, okay? Now, if you want to know if you'll be compatible with someone, the easiest thing to do first 
is to look at the planets we just talked about and where they align in the charts, okay? The more planets you have in the same sign, the better. Why? Because this means you'll be familiar with each other's ideas of expressing thyself. And you'll, your plans will create what we call the conjunction. So the energy is very natural to vibe with. For example, if your sun sign is the moon sign of your partner, this means a conjunction could be made with the planets, depending, of course, on the degrees that they're at. And so this creates really easy chemistry between the two of you. And you may find it easier to communicate your feelings to someone who you share this aspect with. Now, if you and potential bay or current bay have the same Venus placement, then this reflects that your love languages are most likely similar as well. Okay, so these are just a couple of examples I'm giving you guys to understand what I mean by that. Now, when we add the additional layer of aspects, we can dive even deeper. So for example, if your Mercury is in Virgo and their Mercury is in Pisces, this creates an opposition, again, depending on the degree, but most likely an opposition, which is actually a transit we have right now. <laughs> now, oppositions aren't necessarily bad, but they don't always understand each other. Sometimes they go for the head, you know, like Gaza Shatas, daunting, you, like <laughs> it can get messy, but they may want to communicate the same thing, but it's just done differently. And that's the truth. That's their intention. They both want the same thing, but they usually just have different ways of seeing it. We're talking about oppositions, okay? So if you and your partner's Mercury signs, as this example is showing, are in a tough aspect, like an opposition like this, it doesn't mean that you're not compatible, okay? What it does mean, however, is that you will have to work a little harder on your communication, which we should all aim to do because we don't want to hurt the people we love, Okay, we might be mystics, we might call ourselves witches and psychics and mediums, etc. But not everyone is, is as psychic as, as we are. And even if you are dating a fellow mystic, don't put that responsibility on them. It's not their responsibility to accurately channel your energy and understand what, what you're saying. You're a grown person. Okay, so communicate your needs. That's a huge, huge thing. And as we're in Mercury's retrograde, this is a constant theme we're returning to is communicating our theme, our, our needs more effectively. Okay, and in Libra season, this is heavily going to be highlighted because Libras, as most of us know, are very okay with just beautifying the truth and keeping the peace, which sometimes means bullshitting their way through some shit they don't actually want to do. <laughs> Okay, so communicate your needs. And depending on the aspects that your Mercury sign is making to other planets or, you know, base planets, this can further help you understand how you may go about that. Okay. Now, with that being said, let's go on to another, another example. Um, although this aspect may require more focus, oppositions are still really great because they are sister signs. So another example, if your Venus is in Taurus and Bay's Venus is in Scorpio, okay, this aspect is still really, really, really great because the love language would be very, very, very similar because they are sister signs. Scorpio can be very controlling in relationships um, while Taurus can be very possessive. So these two Venusian signs uh, or Venus placements 
would um, actually probably get along very, very well in a long-term relationship because they're both like ride or die kind of energy as an example, okay? Taurus enjoys comfort and simple pleasures of life while Scorpio desires loyalty and devotion. So Venus and Taurus may show Venus and Scorpio their love by positive words of affirmations that makes Venus and Scorpio feel secure and safe. While Venus and Scorpio may show their love for Venus and Taurus by showering them with gifts and acts of service to show their devotion to them. So both of these signs enjoy intimacy in a very fun and sometimes very spicy way. So even if there was a concern of incompatibility with the physical, um, if your Venus signs sit opposite one another, it's very likely that you'll fulfill each other's needs, you know, to the top of your cup and more some. Honestly and truly. So you see... Even with an aspect like oppositions, there are pros and cons to how this aspect can play out in the relationship. Okay, and now let's talk about our natal chart houses. Yes, when discussing romance and intimacy, we want to look at the fifth house ruled by Leo, which is probably going to surprise some of you when I say this, but why? Because depending on your ascendant, first of all, um, the sign that rules your fifth house may be different. And not actually ruled by Leo, but Leo is really important to look at because Leo is, um, you know, high, the ruler of themes like our romantic relationships. It, Leo is ruled by the heart chakra space, the heart itself, literally our heart and cardiac conditions with our heart can be seen under the sign of Leo. Okay. Um, Leo is all about the pack, the will of pride. And showing up when people are calling on to you. Leos are very, well, usually loyal. Okay, Leos, we love Leos. We just love Leos. Leos really help us understand um, what we love in terms of romance, um, what we accept as romance. And also, of course, yes, they're in a child and other things like that too. But we're talking about the more romantic side of Leo, okay? So with that being said, that's the first house. Then we want to look at our seventh house, which highlights marriage and other long-term relationships and is ruled by Libra. Now, again, depending on what your ascendant sign is, this house may be ruled by a different sign. But as we know, in terms of the themes of the chart, the seventh house is Libra ruled. And so therefore, that means that the seventh house is ruled by Venus, the planet of love, beauty, abundance, and art. So Libra, the ruling zodiac of the seventh house, is of course, as we know, is, you know, is known for being a relationship-focused energy. And that, you know, believes in, that, that, that also includes, I should say, compromise and balance. Okay, so the ruling zodiac of your seventh house um, may indicate the sort of traits you look for in a long-term partner and in a relationship. And so that is why if you look at what your descendant sign is, okay, look at where what sign rules your seventh house, you may find yourself, you know, um, more attractive, uh, more attracted to those people, people who carry placements in that house. So their sun ruler might be your seventh house ruler, for example. Um, and maybe you've moved away from that pattern. But the reason why this happens is because our rising sun, like I said before, is almost like the, is like the you know, the alignment of the glare magic so that we can show us our best self on that first date, <laughs> right? 
But when we become comfortable, we embody more of our seventh house energy. Yes. And so this is why we might look for more of those traits that are ruled by our seventh house in our partners. Okay. Now with the fifth house, this can show us what we might indulge in, or I should say just simply enjoy in terms of pleasure and play. And so these are two, of course, things that we definitely want to have in our relationships. So again, if you have placements there or your partner, you know, Bay, whatever has placements there, like their Mars in your fifth house in the sister chart, this is going to turn up the heat. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to give more focus on the seventh house though, because we are in Libra season. Um, so let's say, for example, Venus transits, okay? Like I said earlier in this podcast episode, Venus will enter uh, Libra very soon. So when Venus transits take place in this particular house, your seventh house or your fifth house, you may feel, you know, a sharper focus on relationships and you having this really strong desire to be in a relationship if we have transits like venus or mars or even mercury happening in your fifth house you may be engaging more in 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 these like short-term kind of fun relationships and connections or simply just you know just dating and just having fun hot girl girl summer essentially (laughs) that's what this is the fifth house is hot girl summer literally okay um so if we're looking at our natal chart placements in terms of, you know, what goes in the seventh house and the fifth house, someone who has their Mars in the fifth house and their Venus maybe in their fifth house is someone who um, potentially really enjoys foreplay and really enjoys role play in the bedroom, you know, um, and also is probably really frisky and maybe even has a higher sex drive than other people very highly very likely um if someone has their mercury in the fifth house they might enjoy like dirty talk and like sexting and and shit like that okay we don't we don't kink shame here now if you are someone who potentially has their um saturn let's say in their seventh house then the idea of a long-term relationship and even marriage might be very, very, very important to you because you recognize how it can bring a lot of stability for you in your life long-term, okay? And so with that being said, this might also take place at a later time in your life, at like maybe after your Saturn return. And that's because of Saturn's natural maturity kind of energy that it carries. So you are you will require that same maturity in terms of emotions, mentality, and spirituality, focus, discipline, etc. for yourself and your partner or potential partner before you can even consider that. So if you have this placement, I wouldn't be surprised if you do settle down later on in life. Again, this is just, you know, a common theme. It's not, you know, it doesn't apply for everyone, but it is a very common theme. Whereas someone who may have their Mercury in the seventh house, actually, um, might actually, you know, marry someone at a younger age because Mercury has this more inner child, you know, more fun, you know, juvenile, the fool kind of energy of the tarot. And that's not a bad thing per se. Um, but Mercury is definitely, you know, more young in spirit. 
more more definitely the spring chicken and and saturn is like well the rooster basically okay so this is what i mean by that and another thing i want to point out too is that these two houses and signs they create a sextile so it makes sense that both houses are to be looked at when discussing relationships because they work together and that's just that okay now these are the two houses traditionally looked at by astrologers but there's actually a third house i like to look at as well when i'm reviewing compatibility especially when we're discussing the potential for a long-term serious relationship okay like marriage and that is the eighth house why because this is the house that rules the binding of ourself to others our fortune and of course the resources that we choose to share with others and so what is marriage if not a bind of our resources and literal souls to somebody else okay maybe that's my venus and scorpio talking but you get the point right traditional vows of marriage literally include till death do us part so you know it doesn't get more scorpio than that honestly and truly so i think it's funny that we don't talk about the eighth house as a house to be considered when we're looking at relationships i think it's actually kind of silly because it should definitely be included okay um so now that we've understood you know what plants we're looking for while we're thinking about relationships and what aspects are ideal in terms of our compatible, you know, citizenry charts and the houses to understand our needs within relationships, we are going to talk about, yes, retrogrades. Oh no, not the retrogrades. Yes, honey, we're gonna talk about the retrogrades too. I told you guys, I'm giving you all the tea here, okay? You're welcome. <laughs> because hey, sometimes you're born during the cosmic chaos of retrogrades like me, <laughs> which adds an extra layer of razzle-dazzle to reflect on when we're talking about our relationships and can make things a lot more complicated even. And I feel like they're really mis misunderstood, so I really want to cover this in this, in this uh, episode. So when we're talking about retrogrades, no matter what planet it is, there are a few things to know, okay? We are oftentimes completing the same action through a different lens depending on the planet right rinse repeat recycle for example if your partner was born during mercury retrograde they may take more time to reflect on something you shared or communicated with them reassess their response before even sharing it with you okay and even may have more mental clutter of doubt or indecisiveness that can come up for them so if you feel like they're not texting you back fast enough or are going really quiet on you, just relax, okay? They're probably just born with a Mercury retrograde, which means they're just in their head again. And they want to ensure that they're coming correct when they speak to you because words really, really, really mean things to these people. People with Mercury retrograde usually are very, you know, <laughs> they embody... Um, this quote that I like to say a lot, which is your words are your wand. They are very much the embody of that because they don't play about that shit. Okay, so just relax a little bit. If you notice that they're a little bit more quiet, because that can be a thing. And depending what sign it is, like, let's say they have Mercury in retrograde in Pisces, or Mercury in retrograde in Aquarius, that that half angle talk to you for at least a couple of days <laughs> before they come correct, potentially. 
Okay. Now, someone with their Venus placement in retrograde within their chart may be really shy when it comes to intimacy and expressing their true feelings. Okay. They may take a longer time to open up and even prolong their relationships from truly ascending to new levels of commitment out of fear. Yes, this placement can also highlight struggles with intimacy on a physical level as they may lack self-confidence and belief that they are deserving of true love and true pleasure in various ways. Okay, so for those of you who are born with your personal planets retrograde, like I mentioned before, like Mercury or Venus, you may find that when these planets station for retrograde, things actually start to fall into place and make more sense. And I know that's not what the fast food astrology says, but this is the truth, you guys. This is actually truth. Okay, so just fall back and release more during these retrogrades, okay, and see how much more your life is going to change. Look at your chart, look at what plants are retrograding your chart if you have any, and, um, you know, dig deeper, because when those planets are stationing retrograde, you're going through a lot of growth and a lot of changes. And as a reminder, a lot of these plants are constantly retrograde. We get like a few weeks out of the year where they're not retrograde. So, you know, we're constantly in this space of, of change and rebirth. So we really shouldn't attach ourselves to these very egoistic mindsets that things are going to just, you know, not work out for us. And go sideways because it's a retrograde season. No, that's what your ego wants you to think. That's what your immature ego that's probably being ruled right now by your inner child wants you to think. Okay? So, okay. What about current retrogrades, aka transits? We're going to get into that too because this is where things get really interesting. If you're single and ready to mingle and you follow astrology, you probably got the, the idea that retrograde dates... Um, are circled throughout your calendar. They're probably circled all over your calendar because, you know, it's like doomsday. And I get it. <laughs> I do. I get it. Um, but retrogrades get a really bad rep when we're talking about relationships all the time. But I think it's really important to share that no, not all uh, retrogrades are savage, okay? Some retrogrades really don't have an effect on our relationship in the way we might think they do. So like, for example, Mercury stationing retrograde can create miscommunication within ourselves and therefore with others. So yes, naturally they do affect our our connections with other people, including our romantic ones, right? We also say that people from our past may show up and we call it, you know, a sign. But is it really a sign? Sure, a stop sign maybe, Okay or a hint to approach things with caution kind of sign. But it's not like a OMG, 444, it's a sign. No, baby, run. <laughs> run, go back to the drawing board, okay? That is some truth. Now, Venus retrograde, more than any other retrograde, yes, including Mercury, will bring past lovers to your shores more if they still have access to you because you left a window open despite claiming to close the door okay yes that's right venus retrograde is the one where you really want to make sure that you have your blocked list updated because that's when the roaches of the past show up 
okay not really mercury retrograde if they do that's that's on you not having good boundaries but really and truly this whole like oh don't text your ex nonsense why why would you even be doing that still like are you in high school what is what is this if you're in high school you're listening to this what's up kid um <laughs> no, no shade to you but if you're a grown-ass person in your 20s your your you're mid to late 20s especially like let's stop this nonsense okay let's stop the nonsense so with that, I also want to just mention during both of these retrogrades, we tend to close ourselves off from other people, especially the Mercury retrograde, because we want to avoid as much mess as possible because we fed into that kind of fear agenda. But what happens if you meet someone amazing during a retrograde and you hit it off and you click in a way that you never have with someone else before? Do you ignore the warmth in your hands and the excitement in your voice when you see them? Or do you just go for it? Some astrologers will say, go for it, embrace the flow and see what happens while also being patient and compassionate as planets are retrograde, right? While others may say abort mission altogether and project fear into your plans, so usually, again, these astrologers are the ones that will also paint retrogrades as a bad time and focus on all the things that can go wrong during that time instead of all the things that could be realigned for the better at this time. So be very mindful of who you get your astrology from, okay? And if you're listening to this, you're in a good place as it is anyway. Okay, so here's my opinion and perspective as an astrologer and natural mystic. If we're talking dating and just getting to know someone, I don't think you should avoid the person, you know, and pause all of your plans just because there's a Mercury retrograde going on. In fact, I believe that the people we meet and interact with at this time are really important. Why? Because they are often carrying a message from spirit that is to deliver to us. A reminder, spirit works through all of us. So whether they're an ex returning in your life because you didn't finish that contract with them or it's an elderly person at the crosswalk who says something strange to you, spirit works through everyone, okay? Relationships teach us all about ourselves because they are often mirrors of our own behaviors and patterns. And sometimes that reflection is distorted and looks unrecognizable because it's a version of ourself we no longer serve. And in those moments, it, that is when we will have to recognize the distortion, aka the test, and decline. Yes, decline that test, okay? Because if we don't, they will just keep coming back over and over and over. Meanwhile, you're out here sabotaging your relationships, not realizing it has to do with the unfinished baggage claim business of your past. Okay? Now, with that being said, if you are out here you know, having your fun during these retrogrades, be open for patience because there may be some rescheduling that will take place, especially because of Mercury retrograde. But doesn't mean you should just like stop everything at that time. Now, if you want to, you can. You don't have to be always engaging with people either. But if you meet someone that really feels, you know, real to you, and not just some, you know, oh my God, it's butterflies in my stomach. Maybe they're moths in your stomach. You ever think about that? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. But, you know, still be open to patience too. Okay. Now, 
if we're talking getting married as in the day of your wedding ceremony and signing your marriage license, even if these two things happen on separate dates, this is something you'll want to have the best cosmic alignment for as this is a long-term relationship, which includes the binding of resources and spirits, if we're being honest. This is the day where your eighth house gets lit the F up, okay? Now, if you and your bae both have retrograde placements, let's say such as Saturn, who's all about long-term everything, stability, right? Um, Mercury even, Jupiter, Venus, etc. doesn't matter. Then the transits for these retrogrades will most likely be more gentle and not something you have to stress about, okay? It can be really tough to have the perfect cosmic date for a wedding. It really can be, especially when we're considering venue bookings and pandemics and the apocalypse and everything else in between that's going on these days. Like, it's just too much. So again, I just want to stress, if you have retrograde placements in your chart, and not just the outer planets, but others too, like I said before, Mercury, Venus, etc. Don't consume yourself with the idea that your wedding, your marriage is going to be a hot mess, okay? Or that things will go wrong, especially on the ceremony day. Don't, don't believe that just because of the plans being retrograde. Why feed into this energy and expand it by doing so? It just doesn't help at all. Now, if you do want to find an ideal date though, the best to the best of your abilities, then the best way to go about this is to get a synastry slash compatibility reading or support from astrologer you trust to determine this for you. Now, you can do this on your own, of course. If you feel comfortable reading the charts, that's great. Um, but really, you know, just make sure that it's someone you trust. Now, speaking from my own experience, trying to find the perfect date to avoid cosmic chaos can become so stressful and suck out all of the joy of your big day. Now, if you don't plan on ever getting married, then this doesn't really matter to you, but I'm talking to those people, obviously, who this does apply for, okay? If we're being realistic here, Mercury stations retrograde three to four times a year, okay? Pluto stations retrograde every year for months on end, like five months, and, you know, so does Venus if the cycle for its retrograde falls in that year. Then there's Saturn to think about and, and, and Jupiter to consider. So this thinking process can become an absolute nightmare. Again, I'm just speaking from my own experience and I am a practicing astrologer for over 14 years. So when I say this became a joy sucker, I really mean it because I was pulling shit like a motherfucker, okay, trying to figure out this perfect alignment. This has literally been one of the most mentally exhausting summers for me because I spent so much time reflecting and searching for the perfect date to say I do. And that is maybe one of the only things I probably regret from this year or from summer at least, you know, like is if I could do a redo, it would be redo that entire process because I put myself through so much stress for no reason. And honestly, in the end, I just said, fuck it. And I settled on a date at the last minute, <laughs> like literally the last minute when we were signing our documents. Um, you know, I, I really, you know, try to control the perfect timeline according to the cosmos. And I was gripping so tightly, I almost sabotaged the real thing. And that's when I caught myself and had to take a step back. And I asked myself, is this process serving me 
as my higher self or my inner child. And of course, before the question was done being spoken or reflected upon, I already knew the answer. My ego had convinced me that this blessing too would end badly. And so to ensure it didn't, I just had to have the perfect cosmic alignment for it to be just right. And I was wrong. And so what did I do? I let go and I let God, period. I was just done. And so I released all control and took a moment to express gratitude because this partnership was something I had been desiring for so long as it was. Okay, to connect with someone on a spiritual level, on all realms and planes, not just this one, right? A mental level, an emotional level, and a physical level, plus having your ancestors and Orishas back it up with their approval via divination, like that is very rare. And it finally happened. And so, you know, I was so, so grateful. Now, I ain't gonna lie, it's not perfect. But it's not performative either. It's real and it's solid. It's divinely aligned and it is what I needed. So, you know, once I was done checking myself, I was able to enjoy the journey to the altar. And that was that. And so I share this to say, you can be a a natural born mystic who speaks the language of the heavens as naturally as possible. In the end, it doesn't matter. Love astrology, embrace astrology, use astrology, but don't let astrology use you. Now, just to close off this episode, we're going to go into our ancestral antidote. So for this week's antidote, um, I want to share a couple of things. One, journaling and affirmations. I've been getting back into my journaling and I have noticed a huge lift in my spirit personally. It's a really good practice to have, but it's not something I am consistent with, which I am working on, but I am also human and I'm giving myself permission to just be human. So if you've been feeling down lately, I highly recommend getting back into journaling and speaking affirmations over yourself. We are officially in the season of Venus, so we should all strive to do more things that pour into us and our blessings. The other antidote I want to highlight are ways to uh, combat seasonal depression. Because Libra season is the beginning of fall, which means the days get shorter, and this also obviously means less sunlight. And we as humans may find ourselves lacking vitamin D this season and the rest of the year as we shift from fall into winter. Now, seasonal depression is very, very real. And if you are someone who has melanin in your veins, it can be even more intense for you. Okay, so here are some tips on how to combat seasonal depression. First thing, creating a list of fun activities you can enjoy during the cooler months. This may be switching from a regular yoga class to a hot yoga uh, class, maybe enjoying the indoor pool you have access to at your local gym or recreation center if it's clean, (laughs) okay? Or stacking up on new books you've been waiting to read or actually reading some of the books that are a part of your emotional support stack of books somewhere on your ground in in your room. Okay, most of us will be spending more time indoors as it is. So if we can create a fall winter bucket list for ourselves, it can give us something to look forward to. So be sure to add activities that double as a play date with your inner child as well. Okay, that's really important. 
another thing is connecting with your loved ones. So the fall and winter seasons will also bring intense cosmic shifts like eclipse season and Mars retrograde. So it's super important that we recognize who we can go to for support and simply have fun with. So plan dates for the holidays with your loved ones. Take advantage of video calling if you can. It can be as simple as running errands with your bestie that can boost your entire mood, literally and figuratively. So connecting with your loved ones also means your divine counsel, okay? So your ancestors and your guides, your angels, etc., they will have your back when nobody else does. So if you have to put somebody aside right now to ensure you'll have the abundance to show gratitude during the cooler months... I suggest you do, okay? This is not the time to be stingy with your offerings. It's not the time. Now, the last antidote I'm sharing is that good old-fashioned vitamin D. If you, take, if you don't take vitamin D tablets now, this is a really good season to start, okay? But when you do take vitamin D, it's important to also take magnesium, um, zinc, and calcium too, but especially magnesium um, because... The body depends on magnesium to convert vitamin D into its active form in your body, okay? And the reason for you taking these vitamins is because, one, they're good for you, but two, because they can actually really help with, you know, depression and anxiety that you may have during this, uh, these seasons. Now, obviously, I recommend doing research on what brands and doses work best for you. So talk to your trusted medical specialist and the most hippiest looking person you can find who works at the store that sells herbs and these vitamins, okay? Usually the silver-haired crone that works there is the best person to talk to, but trust your intuition too. Okay, and that is all for now, my friends. So thank you so much for tuning into the show. And if you haven't already done so, Send your DMs to us via IG at the Brewerly Moon or at Missing Medicine so we can receive your submissions for our first Community Coven episode, which I will be collecting your submissions until at least the new moon, okay? Or at least until the moon gets into Scorpio. And this is where I'll be sharing your submissions and tips to the community. Everyone that submits tips will be added to a draw for a free Astro Tarot reading, okay? So blessed Maybaum and fall equinox, shout out to the Libra suns. I'm wishing you all a wonderful new moon. One love, Ashe, peace.